The deeper you grow, the more fruit you show, the more glory God gets in your life. This is Resonate with Trent Griffith. Can you look at your life and see the multiplying effects of the gospel producing things supernaturally that you could never produce on your own? Can you love people that are unlovable? Do you understand that is a supernatural thing you cannot manufacture? Can you have joy in the midst of pain? Some penetrating questions from Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. We've been in a series called Deeper, learning about the ways we need to be going deeper in our relationship with God. Last week on Resonate, Pastor Trent began walking us through a parable that Jesus told. We commonly refer to it as the parable of the sower, or the parable of the four soils found in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. We're going to recap a little of what we heard last week, and then Pastor Trent will conclude his message titled, Real Christians Are Planted Real Deep. Here's Pastor Trent. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. The whole story starts with the word listen, and the story ends with the word hear. Do you think Jesus is trying to communicate something? Now, you may have physical ears, But the question is, do you have spiritual ears to hear the truth of what Jesus is trying to convey? The Bible tells us in verse 14, the sower sows the word. And so he begins to explain. The sower simply is Jesus. Jesus is sowing seed because he wants a harvest. And he is still sowing seed. What is happening right now is Jesus Christ throwing out, scattering seed. Jesus is the sower. Do you know who else is the sower? Those of us who have come into relationship with Jesus Christ, and we're followers of Jesus Christ, and the only reason he has left us on this planet is to cooperate with him in scattering the seed. What is this seed? He tells us that in verse 14. The sower sows the word. Now that word, word, is a summary word for a lot of words. It's the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. When we share the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, when we share the truth that God is holy and man is sinful and Christ is a savior and we must repent and believe, that is the capsulization of the words of the gospel that the world desperately needs to hear. Our confidence is not in our ability to throw the seed. Our confidence is not in the soil. Our confidence is in the seed, in the word of God. What is the soil? And simply put, as we read this parable, we understand that the soil is simply the human heart. Your heart this morning is dirt. Aren't you glad you came to church for an encouraging word from the pastor, right? I'm nothing but a big bag of dirt, right? Well, in a sense, my heart is soil. The question is, what kind of soil is it? Do you understand that the human heart, like a field, 
is lifeless and barren until the seed penetrates the surface and brings a harvest. And so the soil and the seed were made for one another. This good news of Jesus Christ was prepared to penetrate the soil of your heart. And your heart will never be what God intended, full of life and fruit until you allow the seed to go deeper where it germinates and springs up producing the harvest. And so as we read this story, and we're going to let Jesus explain it for us, we're going to understand there are four different kinds of soil. That means that right now there are people with four different kinds or conditions of heart. You need to find out where am I, what kind of heart do I have in relation to the seed, how deep does the seed go, the seed of God's word go in your heart, and you can tell that based on how your heart responds when the seed is scattered. We're going to see four different responses. And there are four corresponding prayers that we can pray in relation to those four responses. Here's the first one, a surface response. And if you have a surface response to the Word of God, you need to pray this prayer, Lord, soften my heart. We saw in verse 4 that as this sower sowed, some of the seed fell along the path. And Jesus says the birds came and devoured it. And he's using a parallel. He's laying aside this story. Just let your eyes fall down to verse 15. It says, these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear it, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. And so Jesus uses birds in this story to teach us something about the activity of our arch enemy, Satan. Now, as the seed is scattered, this verse tells us some of that seed falls along the path. What is a path? Now, in, in those days, obviously, it was a place where people walked. And many times it was the path that bordered the field where the sowing took place. And so this path would have been something that was trampled upon. It would have been something that was hard packed. It was a hard surface. And of course, the analogy is this. Some people have a hard heart. And every time the word of God goes out, when it hits that heart, it bounces off. There's a surface response. Secondly, there is a shallow response to God's word. Back up in verse 5, we're told that some of that seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up immediately, but it had no depth of soil. So when the sun rose, it was scorched since it had no root and it withered away. What does that mean? What does that mean? Go down to verse 16 and we're told the, the explanation. These are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy. They have this big emotional response. Maybe they, maybe they cry because they're so happy. Somebody has shared good news. They can be set free. They don't have to live in sin and they don't have to live in shame. And they're so excited. Somebody loves me and I can be forgiven and I can have heaven as my home and I can have peace and purpose in my heart. And somebody 
responds immediately to that truth. I can remember when um, I was, I think, about eight years old. My family had just moved to a new town. We didn't really know anybody in town, and we didn't go to church. We weren't a Christian family, but somehow we found ourselves, I think on a Saturday night, in the big football stadium in town, and somebody had come in to do a big citywide evangelistic crusade. As a matter of fact, I remember who it was. It was James Robinson. You know James Robinson? I remember at the end of that time, my dad grabbed my hand, my mom grabbed my hand, and we started walking down to the, to the football field, and, and it seemed like everybody was coming out of the stands, and everybody was responding to this big emotional appeal to the gospel. Now, I have no doubt that in that moment, the seed was scattered, and I have no doubt that it took root in many people, but can I tell you, looking back on that experience, it had zero impact on our family. The next day, we got up and lived life as if Saturday night never happened before. I didn't meet the Lord. I wasn't converted. My parents weren't converted. We weren't saved. I'm not exactly sure what happened, but it sure sounds like this verse. We immediately received it with joy. Amen. Yes and amen. I love the music. And, and maybe you went to youth camp and Maybe some of that seed penetrated your heart and you had some big emotional appeal and maybe somebody said, you want to pray a prayer? And so you prayed what they prayed and you raised a hand and you walked an aisle and you signed a card and you got baptized and you joined a small group and then you went to the training and you began to lead that small group and then that was enough. Maybe you entered ministry. You can do all of that without the seed of the gospel taking root in you because there will be some when the seed is sown that will receive it with joy. But it's only a shallow emotional response. You say, Trent, why do you say that? Because of what Jesus said in verse 17. And they have no root in themselves. And where there is no root, there is no fruit. It says they endure for a while... But when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Do you know some people like this? Do you know some people that used to be seated next to you in church? That used to be in your small group? That used to respond with joy to the word? But now they are nowhere to be found? Their life has no visible evidence that the Word of God has taken root, producing fruit in their lives? Is that you? That there was a shallow response at some point in your life, but you fell away and somehow now you're, you're kind of back? Do you need to examine whether or not you've only had a shallow response to the gospel even as you hear it this morning? How do you reconcile this? Now, a lot of people that really don't understand the depths of the Bible message would look at people like that and say, well, you know, they used to be a Christian, but they're not a Christian anymore. They used to have salvation, but they lost it somewhere along the way. And if you just kind of look at it on a surface level, that's kind of where our minds would go. But if you understand the totality of Scripture, you understand that that is an impossibility. It's not that they had salvation and lost it. It's that they never had it to begin with. 
Jesus said, the one who endures to the end will be saved. And 1 John chapter 2, verse 9 says this, they went out from us because they were not a part of us. If they had been of us, they would not have gone out from us. The totality of Scripture is this, that salvation is entirely a work of God. And what God does, He does permanently. We have to understand salvation is the changing of our legal status before God to be declared legally righteous Legally innocent of all sin. That is a verdict that God does not stand there and change back and forth in heaven based upon your performance. When the root takes hold, the fruit blooms and blossoms. But for some, it rises up quickly. Before it can produce fruit, the sun scorches it. He uses two words, tribulation and persecution. Tribulation is just the trials and the pressures of this life. You get sick, life's hard, and you think, it is just not worth it to follow Jesus. Not only tribulation, but persecution. Persecution is when you realize you actually have to pay a price for being a Christian. It's not just the popular thing to do, but that you're ridiculed and you are called names because you identify with Jesus. And when you realize you have to pay a price, you say, I don't think I want to pay that price. It's not worth it. That's the way that some people respond with a shallow response. And if that's you this morning, you need to pray, Lord, penetrate my heart. Eastman's Bible Dictionary describes this doctrine that I'm explaining to you. We call it the perseverance of the saints. The fact that once a person truly is converted to Christ, he remains a follower of Christ. Eastman's Bible Dictionary defines that doctrine this way, a certain continuance in a state of grace. Once justified and regenerated, the believer can neither totally nor finally fall away, but he will persevere and obtain everlasting life. That's what we believe. The work that God does is a life that only he can produce, and he produces eternal life. Here's a third response, a strangled response to the word of God. And if that's you, you need to pray this prayer. Lord, would you untangle my heart? Look at verse 7. Other seed fell among the thorns, but the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. What does that mean? Look down at verse 18. He explains it. Others are the ones that were sown among the thorns, and those who hear the word, verse 19, but the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. And so a good farmer knows if you want to produce a harvest, you not only have to love seed, you have to hate weeds because they are always growing faster than the good seed, right? And a good farmer has to go in there and pull the weeds out if you want to produce a crop. The same is true for the human heart. Everything that you were involved in this week had the potential of choking out the most important thing in your life, namely a relationship with Jesus and His Word. He mentions three categories. First of all, cares of this world. What do you care about? What did you fill your mind full of? What was it that produced worry 
anxiety, and stress. Is it something related to your career? Something related to your portfolio? Something related to your education, your grades, your favorite sports team, media? Or could it be politics? All of it has the potential for choking off the life-giving seed of the Word of God in your life. He mentions the deceitfulness of riches. And I know every one of you said, Skip, that's not me because I'm not rich. Yes, you are. You are part of the richest people on the planet and the richest people who ever have lived at any time on the planet simply because you live in Granger, Indiana or the vicinity. And the deceitfulness of riches has the potential to choke off the word. It's not so much the desire to be rich here. It's just the things that you have that can lead to prosperity. It's interesting. He says that Satan will work to try to eliminate the fruit in your life through persecution. But if he can't get you through persecution, he'll get you through prosperity. He'll allow things to go well for you. Because after all, who needs God when you have money? And oftentimes, it is not until the money disappears or disappoints that you have a new level of appetite for the Word of God. Don't let the deceitfulness of riches... Why do riches deceive? Because riches promise things they can't deliver. It deceives you into thinking, if I had more, I would be less stressed. If I had more money, I would have more security. That is the deceitful lie of riches. Riches promise what God alone can provide. And the evidence that is true is the fact that many of you have more than you've ever had at any time in your life, and you're still stressed out, more stressed out, and you are less secure than you've ever been. That's the deceitfulness of riches. And then he just lumps a big junk drawer thing. He says, and the desire for other things. That's just, that's just the junk drawer of life. It chokes off the Word of God. And if that's you, you need to ask God to untangle your heart because the Word needs to go deeper. There's one more response. And it is the supernatural response and if that's you, you can pray this, Lord, multiply my fruit. He tells us in verse 8, other seed fell on good soil and produced good grain, growing up. Don't you wish some people would just grow up? It, you can only grow up when you allow the seed to grow deep. And it says it yielded 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. He explains it in verse 20. Those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit 30, 60, 100-fold. Can you look at your life and see the multiplying effects of the gospel producing things supernaturally that you could never produce on your own. The fruit is mentioned as love. Can you love people that are unlovable? Do you understand that is a supernatural thing you cannot manufacture? Can you have joy in the midst of pain? That's a supernatural response. Love, joy, peace. You can have a calm assurance that God has me, 
No matter what's going on in the economy or what's going on in your marriage and family, a calm assurance, that's a supernatural response. All of these are things that should be multiplying more and more. The deeper you grow, the more fruit you should show. And the great news is this. The deeper you grow, the more fruit you show, the more glory God gets in your life. John 15 verse 8 says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Do you see the proof that you're a disciple is that you produce much fruit? And he says, the more fruit the more glory goes to God. And so we should be multiplying ourselves and multiplying the life of God in us so that God gets glory and we prove that the root has gone deep. Some of you have only had a shallow, superficial response to everything I've been talking about. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you went to the big citywide evangelistic crusade. And somehow you are putting your assurance in some emotional experience you've had in the past. Is it any wonder that you don't have assurance of your salvation? You lay your head on the pillow at night and you wonder, am I saved? Am I okay? What if I die in the middle of the night? Am I going to be in heaven with God? Is my sin really forgiven? Jesus said the proof that you are a disciple is the fruit that is evidence in your life. If there is no fruit, it's because there has been no root. And the root needs to go deeper. Which one of those four kinds of soil describes your heart? Are you a genuine follower of Jesus Christ? And it's evidenced by what we can see above the surface of your life. For some of you, you've tried to bury it way down deep inside, and I just kind of want to be a secret follower of Jesus. And what you're saying is, I don't want anybody above the surface to know. Listen, that's not the heart of a genuine believer. We want the world to know. We're to be not only bearers of fruit, we're to be seed sowers, multiplying that in the lives of others. If you don't do that, if you have no heart to do that, if there's no life-producing root. This morning, you need a supernatural response to these words. You need to open up your heart and say, God, penetrate, soften, untangle my heart so that I can see this life-giving fruit in my life. I want a relationship with Jesus Christ that's not about religion. It's not about just going to church. It is a walk with God and a relationship with Jesus Christ that I cannot explain. It's supernatural. If you've never had that, you can have that today. Allow that seed to take root this morning. If you are a believer, but somehow you just kind of skim along the surface and the words preached and you just kind of, mm, yeah, mm, yeah. You need to go deeper. If you come and let other people worship for you, if you just kind of hang out on the edges and you don't want to go deeper, why would you not want your life to give glory to God for all the supernatural results that are happening in your life?
Are you absolutely confident, 100% for sure, that if you died this very moment, you would be accepted into heaven? Not because you are good, but because the seed is good and the fruit has been supernatural in your life. You're absolutely certain. You may be here, some, some of you that would say, you know, I think I've fallen away. Well, you need to come back and maybe for the first time have a response to the gospel that's more than surface, more than emotion. I need to be a real Christian who's planted real deep. For others of you, those of you that are followers of Christ, have you just been skimming along the surface? Are you pursuing a vital, deep, life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ? And every time you hear the word, it takes root and it bears more fruit. If that's not you, why don't you tell the Lord, God, I'm so tired of being shallow. I see the life-giving truth of others producing fruit. I want that. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have been at work this morning sowing the good seed in our hearts. And Lord, we acknowledge to you that so often our heart gets hard and it bounces off. So often we make ourselves vulnerable to Satan because we're distracted or we doubt or disobey your word. God, this morning, we want to come back and open our lives to you, soften our hearts, penetrate our hearts, untangle our hearts so that we can see a supernatural fruit in our lives that can only be explained by your Spirit. Lord, we want to go deeper together. Make us good seed sowers. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What kind of soil is your heart? Today we've heard about four possible responses, four ways that we can receive the seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can have a surface response, like the seed that falls on the path, a shallow response, like the seed that sprouts but then has no root, a strangled response, like the seed that gets choked out by the weeds, and a supernatural response, like the seed falling on rich, soft, fertile soil. So right now we're broadcasting this program much like the sower broadcasts seeds, and your response to God's Word will determine how much fruit it yields. Well, if you're involved in a solid, Bible-saturated, and God-centered church, here's what you need to do. Go deeper. Get more involved. Serve. Love. Be that soft, rich soil for God's Word to penetrate. But if you're searching for that kind of an environment, why don't you join us for a worship service at Harvest Bible Chapel? To keep with the planning metaphor, we sow seed every week in Granger, Indiana and St. Joseph, Michigan, and we love seeing people growing in God's truth. You can find out more about being part of Harvest Services at our website, harvestgranger.org. 
Again, that's harvestgranger.org. On Facebook, look for Harvest Bible Chapel Granger. Have you ever noticed that at the beginning of some of the Psalms, it says a song of ascents, meaning a song for going up? Well, next week, Pastor Trent will explain why it's there. He'll start a new series based on Psalm 121 titled, Lift Up Your Eyes. I hope you can join us for that. Well, thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that God's word would resonate in your heart and mind this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel, Granger. Visit us online at harvestgranger.org.